Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Known Unknowns. I'm Harry. I'm Carly. Welcome. Welcome and bienvenue. What's new this week? Um, what isn't new? Uh, I know. There was a, there was a, last week was a big news week. Yeah, really? What what, what happened? Were you, well, what, were you living under a rock, Carly? No. Yeah. What happened? Well, okay. Well, what do you want? Tell me. Do you want to talk about? What What do you mean? Oh, tell me everything. Well, there was okay. There was a debate. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see? I forget what happened this week. Yeah, it's been a long week. week. It has been. I forgot the debate was this week. Yeah, I know. It feels like it was not so recent as this week, because so much has happened this week. I know. Yeah, the debate. All right. Was interesting. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? I don't know. How How do you think each of the combatants performed? Was Poorly. there a winner? No. Was there a loser? No. Is a Is it Is a tie? No. It was nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it didn't do anything for anyone other than disappoint them. Right. Okay, yeah, I I agree. What do you think? No, I well, okay. I thought I personally thought Biden was going to snap because in the previous debates he would get really worked up and be like, yeah, and just get like, like really like, angry mm-hmm. and like you could tell he was getting really worked up and mad. Not when even would... in debates whenever anyone like challenged him on anything, yeah. like just random like people. He, he would, would get like, really upset and like jab people in the chest or grab their wrists and stuff and like yell at them. Rage. Yeah, yeah. No. but I mean, he didn't this time. So I was, I mean, he just stayed like really calm. So relatively mm-hmm. calm. Right. I, he I, told him to shut up. Yeah. It's like, shut up, man. Yeah. I mean, he, I think. Which was fair. Yeah. I, I think that was like one of his good parts. <laughs> one of his own, his few like good, good, good pieces of debating. Yeah. Everyone remembers it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't I think like Biden generally outperformed the very low bar that very I had low bar set for I him. Had. I yeah. mean, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he didn't have, he he wasn't allowed to speak for long enough to no. like, um, you know, really fall apart. No, I know. He didn't really talk much. Um, it, and it, I don't think, if I think if he was up against a more competent human being, it would have been bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And he... I th- it definitely he definitely looked like a more sympathetic character, but also to to certain people, I guess to other people, I would assume like Trump looked like the he like he was doing a great job and was with what with the situation that he was given. Yeah, yeah, I yeah yeah. I mean, I think I don't so. I don't think that they're, I don't know. What do you think it did for the average, like, undecided voter? Nothing. Nothing? Absolutely nothing. I don't think I don't it did know. anything. I, well, I think, I don't know. I kind of think, okay, so the idea of, like, a moderate undecided voter, there are, like, 14 of those in the world who could, like, go, I might vote for the Democrat, I might vote for a Republican, but yeah. I know I'm going to vote. I could, I just, I could go either way. I like, I like what. Trump says all the racist stuff, but I like when Biden says all the stuff against racism. Yeah. I like, <laughs> um, 
and you know so what do you I like think the it did for the Trump... 14 people we heard from some of those 14 people yeah and it seemed like and it, they were like i don't know it didn't do anything yeah, I, I think that if you were so like I'm an, right. an undecided voter like who is if you're if you're someone who's planning to vote but deciding between who to vote for it didn't do anything for you the the like real undecided voters who are like up for grabs are the people who are deciding whether or not to bother voting or whether or not I to bother I don't think it did anything voting. for those people I think yeah I mean I I think that it you know it yeah exactly and that's something like you would hope going into a debate like that that you would convince non-voters to bother to vote for you no mm -hmm. well they didn't yeah yeah and i think that it's notable that like i don't think either person i think it probably only dissuaded more people from voting yeah and dis or dissuaded more people from voting like for a republican or democrat Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I mean, there's nothing really interesting there. <laughs> if okay. you watched it, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think there's bad. I don't know. What was interesting then about it? Well, I think that, um, I've, well, I, I mean, on a number of occasions, like Biden, like took Trump's bait and like fell into the traps that Trump wanted him to walk into. Like when they were talking about like um, criminal justice or and stuff and trump bullied him into saying law and order <laughs> like like biden like didn't you know take any like he he didn't like take the opportunity to talk about the reasons people are protesting and stuff he just he did the same thing and was like no actually i'm also pro-cop and i yeah don't think people should burn things which I think I that mean, there's a way a a line that he could have walked there where he could have said he's against violence, but he is, you know, wants to like have a conversation about like policing and the ways it can be reformed and stuff. But then he would have been lying. Well, yeah, I think of he was course. Being honest there. I mean, I yeah, and I think I think Trump like forced Biden to be honest on other issues that he didn't want to be honest on. Like he well, he forced Biden <laughs> is into that a failure then. No, I, okay. I, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that it like probably on the whole was better for Trump than Biden because, you know, when fewer people vote, uh, Republicans do better. Um, yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, he also like, you know, f since Trump has no like firm ideology, he can attack Biden from the left and right on any of those issues. Like he can, he can push Biden to like say like he's not even going to say the words uh, whatever, uh, what is it law and order and then attack him as the guy who like wrote the crime bill and like called people super predators even though biden didn't he implied a lot worse things though in his senate testimony <laughs> um and then he you know had he forced biden into like you know a attacking punching the left and trying and, and forcing him to be say that he equivocally did not or unequivocally did not support Medicare for all and was absolutely opposed to the Green New Deal and stuff. He like, you know, he invoked both of those and forced Biden to uh, alienate the left more than they already were, which, you know, is the only is the only like stand that Biden is willing to take. He, he's willing to like compromise and moderate with any like right wing um, policy or argument. But if you, you know, if any, if anything to the 
if anything's to the left of him, he's going to smack at it and uh, push it as far away from him as possible. Mm-hmm. And Trump knew that, and he used that to his advantage, I think. Yeah. I don't know. That those. I think those are the only very interesting insights you could take away from it. Yeah. It was it was freaky to watch. I mean, I laughed a lot because it was just so ridiculous. But <laughs> if you like afterwards, the day later, I was like, "This is kind of terrifying." Like, because one is obviously worse than the other, and it's just really scary to think about mm-hmm. uh, four more years with this same guy. Like, it's very because I just try to avoid him and everything right. he says. And blah, 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 blah. So I don't really, I don't listen to him speak ever. I don't really give a shit. Um, But hearing him speak and hearing him say things, I was like, oh, yeah, this is scary. He's scary. I forget Mm -hmm. how. No, I don't forget. But I try to block (laughs) it out of my brain and it uh, didn't work (laughs) that way. I mean, a a lot, a big conversation a lot of people were having um, relevant to like the very last question of the debate when uh, Chris Wallace asked them both if they would accept the results of this election, like, or if they would wait until all the votes were counted to declare themselves victor of the election. And I Biden hate, ag- said that he would, and dec- Trump declined. I, a lot of people before that and since then have been talking about um, whether. It is important for people in like non-swing states, um, you know, leftists or progressives who don't, who would rather not vote for Biden, if it's important for them to vote for him in order, because the larger a margin Biden wins by, the more difficult it would be for Trump to steal the election, basically. I'm wondering if you think that's a compelling argument or not. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What? Like... So yeah, if, sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was I just know. asking. Okay. If you don't want to talk about it, we don't need to. No. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> what do you? What, Nothing. What else do you want to talk about? Nothing. I was going to say something, and then you cut me off, so oh. I stopped listening to you. <laughs> oh, sorry. What were you yeah. going to say then? Nothing. It does. It's not relevant now. We'll go back. Well, what? Okay. What were we talking about when it was relevant? No, it's not relevant. We okay. can move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's next on the agenda to well, talk about? So we, we had there was a lot of discussion about the debate and what that means, and then all of that was thrown out the window because <laughs> it totally because other events have fully reshuffled the election. Uh, look, 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 forecast look like. I think he did it to himself. You think he intentionally <laughs> got COVID right now? Yeah, we're talking about Donald Trump coming down with the COVID. <laughs> Getting hospitalized at Walter Reed. It's really I, funny. Yeah, I mean this. He this. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, it might not even be like relevant anymore. He might have already died by then. Yeah, I know. I keep I keep um, getting updates. I keep watching all the breaking news, and it's it's every fifteen minutes a new video from someone comes out. Either the doctors come out and say something, Trump comes out and says something, someone else comes out and says something. And I'm like, I can't keep up. One minute he's on breathing things and the next minute he's addressing the country in a video. Like, it's very (laughs) weird to me. I don't, I don't understand. 
It has been very strange. I, and also, I mean, in addition to Trump, there's been like a slew of other like Republican like senators and uh, aides and apparatchiks. And well, whatnot. yeah, because I was listening while well, I was watching the news while you were mm-hmm. working on your story. Mm-hmm. And it, they were saying that uh, the the hearing or the voting in the Senate might be... Well, because a lot of the, I think three senators got sick and two said that they wouldn't go already in person to vote and you have to be in person to vote. So two Republicans already said they weren't going to go in and vote. Mm -hmm. Three are sick, so they can't come in and vote. Mm -hmm. You can't do, I'm sure they'll try to do like Mm -hmm. an online thing, but I mean, they, it's not supposed to be allowed. Mm -hmm. Um, So either they do it now and they, what's her name? Amy, Amy Coney. Amy, Amy Cohn Barrett, Amy Kobe Bryant, a- Amy Kobe Bryant, um, just doesn't get put in there because mm-hmm. they don't have enough votes right now. Right. I or mean, or they put it off, and then I, I feel like it doesn't. Well, okay. So I mean, it was good to see like uh, Chuck Schumer having a little bit of a backbone and saying that you know they couldn't vote. You know, hold uh, confirmation hearings for for uh, Amy Coney twelve, Amy Coney twenty twelve. Um, while they're, you know, while like three Republican senators have COVID, and you know, it's not safe to hold hearings or have the Senate in session. Um, but I mean, I think ultimately it probably doesn't. I mean, there's nothing stopping Mitch McConnell and the rest of them from just confirming her during a lame duck session after the election, no matter who wins. Okay. I don't know. What? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> I, I, sorry. You I thought you were going to elaborate on what you didn't know. No. Like, I, yeah, hopefully, like, they, you know, the... Sorry, I wanted to have some hope. I No, I mean, <laughs> hopefully, like, yeah, the various Republicans, like, having... Hopefully it means that the Senate Judiciary Committee can't move ahead with, like, confirmation proceedings. Because someone on that is, I don't remember if it was more than one member or, or just one of them on the on the Judiciary Committee uh, who tested positive. I don't remember who it was or when or why. But uh, Yeah. Do you think Trump will die? One can only hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say there's, like, a... I would say the chances of Trump dying are about the same as the chances everyone gave him of winning the 2016 election. So like a one in one in 20, like a 15% up to 15%. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think think it's possible. You don't think it's possible? No, I do think it's possible. Okay. There's only so much they can do for him. Yeah, I know. And he's he's a morbidly obese 74-year-old man. Yeah, and I mean, he's... They're giving him a bunch of weird experimental drugs, and I'm like, that doesn't seem safe. Yeah, I think that's weird. I'm like, why would you? Ex- why? Why? Like, I mean, even if he if he survives, <laughs> he's not gonna he's 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 not gonna be healthy again. I would imagine. No. Um, but like, yeah, either either he really he's at like death's door, and that's why they're like throwing everything at the wall, or his doctors are like just a bunch of quacks and they're just throwing everything at the wall because he's they an important person. They seem like a person. bunch of quacks. Mm-hmm. Did you say quacks? Yeah. Yeah, he's, they seem like a bunch of quacks. 
Well, hopefully they are. What? Hopefully they are, I said. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They seem more like politicians than doctors when they get up to talk. But I'm like, isn't your job just to talk about what's going on? And then they get up there like they're politicians and they're like, next question. And I'm like, why even talk to us? (laughs) (laughs) They're only permitted to tell certain things. Yeah, they were saying, you know, when yesterday he like (laughs) specified that Trump wasn't on supplementary oxygen right now. I think everyone's reading too far into what they're saying. I, I, I yeah, think, probably. yeah, I think I mean, a lot of it would just are... be they haven't gotten permission and they'd probably get fired if they said anything wrong. Well, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, so, they're... I think people are just reading into it. Well, I mean, there are much. certain things that they are. I mean, they that what are the doctor today admitted that he like withheld yesterday that Trump had Trump had been on oxygen. Um, what? when he was given his thing yesterday. So there are certain things that they are clearly like, obviously like withholding, but how much you can read into that is, yeah, unknown. I don't know. Yeah, well, (laughs) I I just don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's that odd that they are, I guess. Well, yeah, no, I... I, But I do think people are reading too far into it. Well, for sure, yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure that's just not what... They just don't want to tell. He's not dead, and that's what they're trying to hide. (laughs) I I don't think that. I think if he was in, like, serious condition, we would find out. Like, if he was in critical condition. Yeah, if he was that bad. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we would eventually. I guess it would depend how... What if he's just dead and all of these videos let's start a conspiracy he's actually dead Mm -hmm. and all of these videos of him being like hello i'm fine blah 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 yeah you know the two videos Mm -hmm. he's done were filmed a while ago yeah they knew this was going to happen and like the day before like as soon as he tested positive he recorded a bunch of videos to be released in different spaces Mm -hmm. or they're they're like they're just doing deep fakes now like, why would he be in a suit every time he talks? Why is he not in a hospital gown? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that they would... I, 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 no matter who the president is, I don't think they want to be on camera in a hospital gown. <laughs> well, why are they not in bed? That means he has to change out of his suit every time he talks. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just in a in his suit all the time. He, he wears <laughs> those big... Big baggy suit, so you can't tell how fat he is all the time. That's basically a hospital gown. I mean, I never thought he was that fat. Well, yeah, because he because he he's he's good at fashion. He knows he layers well. He wears long like straight trench coats so that it he 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 it doesn't like you know he doesn't wear skin tight clothes. Well, no. Yeah, he's he's pretty fat. Yeah, yeah. He's a large boy. I know. What else is new? Everyone knows about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Is I'm there something sleepy. people don't know about that you want to talk about? No. We okay. <laughs> I'm really tired today. All right. Well, we can we, just um, move on and get it over with. No. <laughs> I'm just tired. We went. Uh, we we tried. Well, yeah, we went to Central Illinois the other day to hike. Mm-hmm. And then we missed our train back. Yeah. Um, so we had to spend the night. On... So we had to spend the night on someone's couch. <sighs> so I then take like the 7 a.m. train in because there was no train after. And we like just missed it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, 
super sleepy. And then when we got back, I tried to get a COVID test and then it wasn't until like noon, but we got back into the city at 10 and then I got there at noon. So I wasted two hours and I got there at noon and they're like, yeah, it's only drive through. You have to have a car. And I was like, but what? I went to a minute clinic because physicians immediate care who they do most of the COVID testing in Chicago or yeah, most of it. And they don't take Medicaid mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, yeah, they don't take Medicaid. <laughs> and then it's really expensive to just get it done mm-hmm. without insurance. So minute clinics do it for free without insurance mm-hmm. and they accept pretty much all insurance, like insurance. And then if they don't, I think you get it for free, but most of them are drive through ones. So you have to have a car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I had a car, don't you think I could afford to just pay for it at a walk-up one? Like, what? I don't, what? How am I supposed to get this test? Mm-hmm. And I have very important reasons to need to get this test done. And I can't find anywhere to give me a freaking test. All the other walk-up ones were full mm-hmm. for like a week. And I'm yeah. like, but I need to get tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Found out I, we found out we came into contact with someone possibly mm-hmm. yeah, came so, into contact with someone who had COVID. So we need to get tested and I can't yeah, get why, tested anywhere. Why didn't they? Yeah. They really should have just have everyone quarantined for two weeks. I should we say, yeah, basically where we were, where we came into contact, they should be having everyone there quarantined for two weeks, but they're not. Yeah. So, and they're also not. Yeah. I don't want to give too much information, but I just, it's really stupid. Uh, I need to get tested. Also, because we were just sleeping on someone's couch, and that's when we found out while I was sleeping on someone's couch. And I was like, I could infect these. But the one time I actually see people <laughs> outside of this apartment and at work, I... Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. I find out that I came into contact with someone who had COVID. <laughs> right. I'm really mad about it. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out how to get tested mm-hmm. because I might not experience any symptoms. Like, what am I supposed to? Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, well, since that happened, just like let your workplace and other places know, like if you start experiencing symptoms and I'm like, but I might not. Mm-hmm. They're like, for the next 14 days, just monitor your symptoms. And I'm like, but I probably won't have any symptoms. Or very mild, I'll just think, oh, it's allergies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm trying to figure out where to. You can get tested tomorrow, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Will. Harry can do it. I. I mean, if I test, I have gone to like three different places now, tried to get tested, and then it didn't work because they don't take my insurance. They need me to. It's a drive-through only. They don't take my insurance. <laughs> they are out of COVID <laughs> testing for the day, and I'm like, come <laughs> Yeah. It's impossible to get tested, mm-hmm. and I need to. Well, I mean, so I'm if, just very frustrated. Yeah, if I test positive, we would we could assume that you would also, so you wouldn't need to get a test then. And I guess if I, but I guess if I test negative, we'd want to be safe. What if only one of us tests positive? Would we quarantine away from each other? I think that would be pretty pointless. But I don't want to get it. Okay. If I mean, you have it. Yeah, but I would think that you. I'm would've... sleeping on the couch. You're staying in this room. All right. 
I'm not getting it. I'm I going to work. would think that you would already have it if I tested positive. I knew it was just a false negative or like... Yeah, I mean, I think I'd have to. It just didn't show up yet. You're a day behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still. I mean, I don't have any like real symptoms of anything, so it's prob we're probably fine. I do. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's just allergies. I don't know if it's allergies or if I am sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who knows? Mm-hmm. I think it's just allergies. It's been ha these symptoms have been happening for a while when now. When you so. take your allergy pills, do they help? I don't know. They just put me to sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I spent like half the day trying to get a COVID test, and then I went there, and then they were like, "Yeah, you have to have a car. This is drive-through only." Mm -hmm. and I was like, "But it didn't say that when I signed up online." Yeah. I read. I read. I know you do. It didn't say anything. You're a big reader. <laughs> Real bookworm over here. Uh huh. So I'm just angry. If anyone knows where I can get a COVID test quickly uh, for free or on Medicaid without a car that I can walk up to, I would like to know because I'm going to try to get one on Wednesday. I'm just going to go somewhere that takes my insurance that does walk-ups, but no appointments are required. So you probably want going to want to go early. I bet there's a long line in the morning. Well, I have a dentist appointment that morning, so oh, yeah. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got man. some fillings I need to fill, okay? Yeah. Wait, does that mean I need to not go? I mean, well... I mean, if if it was that important, they would be forcing me to stay like if home you're, for 14 days. If you didn't come into enough contact with the person for you not to be able to go to work, for you... Wait. Well, I don't know who I can't. I don't know who has it. They didn't tell me. Yeah, I know. They didn't tell us. But if you, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if I actually came into contact with them or not. Right. Because <laughs> they didn't tell me who. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, well, that would have been that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Scary times. Good, good time to be a uh, working person in the world. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, uh, what else? Anything else we need to talk about before we move on to no. the next segment of our show? The actual show? Yeah, until we start the show. <laughs> no. Let's get this show on the road, folks. You want, oh, you want to go? Do you have anything else to say? No, that's why. I, no, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> do, uh, do you not want to start yet no i we do don't... oh god hang on hang on talk okay i'm i don't i don't I'm, i don't know what to say anymore uh i'm i've talked okay all that i can talk yeah you're done now um i had to get my computer pulled up oh yeah my computer is broken breaking yeah, it's uh... broken it's broken <laughs> If you would like to, uh... I've had a bad day today, okay. I need to get a new computer. I bought a new phone because mine is dying. And then it didn't come on time, so it's not here. And it's going to probably get here in the next two days. But it was supposed to be here like three days ago. And I need a new phone. Now my computer is dying and I can't afford to buy a new laptop. It's falling apart. The screen is actually falling off. Like, <laughs> Then I bought some hiking shoes. If they don't fit me, they're one size too small. And I'm just... Then I tried to get them exchanged, but the place that I got them, 
the nice lady on the phone who had a Kentucky accent. She had a thick the southern accent told me that they didn't have them in stock anymore so they give me a refund minus the ten dollars i paid for shipping and i'm like are you kidding me i'm so it's been a day i know it's been a day well if you would like i was supposed to get home last night not this morning yeah if you would like to help our podcast uh go to uh paypal.me slash uh (laughs) What's our PayPal thing? We have a PayPal? Yeah, I set it up a while ago. We, just, <laughs> we, we should put a button on our website where people can donate. <laughs> uh, what's it? I don't know. Where Help me it. pay for my COVID test. Uh, that's what I want. PayPal.me slash known unknowns or something. Uh, I'll, I'll tell it. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll put it in the description. All right. He'll put it in the description. Wait. Come on. Also, Harry says we can get in trouble if I just read you guys articles offline. Online. PayPal.me slash known unknowns. Cool. If you like the show and want to um, make us happier. No one wants to pay for this shit. You're not paying for it. You're paying for... Um, you're oh just paying an extra $5 for the last pair of shoes you bought. You're paying $5 for a, a cup of coffee that you didn't like and threw away. What? You're paying five to just pretend it's something else. Yeah. Okay. That you're not getting anything in If you hear any for. snapping, it's my computer screen falling off. Uh, <laughs> the the top part of my laptop is coming apart from the keyboard part of the laptop. So <laughs> We love we love it. We love to see it, folks. We love it. Okay. Um so yeah, Harry tells me I can get in trouble, but I think it's wrong. I think he's wrong. As long as I say who wrote it. There are any lawyers out there? <laughs> I thought you said that you were just going to... I thought you told me not to tell anyone that you're just reading an article. I didn't say I was doing it today. We were discussing it, and I'm like, what happens if I just... Because I've certainly, maybe, allegedly done it i've done it in the past i'll combine like like two you just like read a chapter out of that book that one time yeah i think that's perfectly legal i bought the book they have it out there for the world to read i'm just reading it to you and telling you what i'm reading not for free they don't okay but like i mean i yeah i don't care i'm not making money on this podcast well, if you would like us to make money on this podcast. <laughs> so we can get sued? Go to PayPal so we can pay our <laughs> for our lawsuits. If you're a lawyer willing to work pro bono and defend uh, If you're a lawyer, please cases, tell me what I'm doing wrong here. <laughs> I would like to know because I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. <laughs> Welcome to Plagiarism, the podcast. I don't think I would do anything wrong if I did that. I've never done it before. Okay. What? <laughs> Nothing. Are you trying to... Say I have? No. It's really rude. What about reading Wikipedia? I've certainly maybe done that. That's that's free. That's a free resource. I mean, I think it's That's legal. Creative Commons licensing is can be can be complicated. It depends if you're if it's for like education or like This is for education entertainment or profit or what is it it depends what it's for this is for education We're it's an not for profit podcast. this is a non-profit organization Very right much. here it is a negative profit organization <laughs> <Negative> profit. <laughs> okay 
We should probably get started. We're 30 minutes in and you said yours is long. It's not super long. Oh. But probably okay. it will end up being, I don't know, I just did like bullet points. I didn't write out a whole thing. Okay, so my sources are um, Ancient History Encyclopedia, an article called A Ghost Story of Ancient Egypt by Joshua J. Mark, and then another one from Ancient History Encyclopedia. I guess they're not really, like, articles. I guess they are. And this one's called Amen um, by Joshua J. Mark, and then Wikipedia. Okay, J.J. Mark. J.J. Mark. Are you ready for this A Ghost Story of Ancient Egypt? Yeah, let me... This is more of a history lesson. All right. More of ancient... Put my... Kind of ancient folklore, if that's what you want to call it. But also, I don't don't think it would be called folklore. Mythology? No. No? No, it's like a ghost story, like a very common ghost story. They think that, like people way 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 back in the day told yeah which is interesting yeah yeah put your egyptology boots on everybody yeah there's a lot of things is this ce yeah ce common era bce before Before common Common era Era. yeah all right i'm gonna have to ask you a lot of things and excuse my pronunciations here i looked all of them up uh a lot of them do not have pronunciation (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're, they, they're really old, so I don't think they have them. They're words which may not be pronounced. They don't have pronunciations anywhere on Google, okay? They're, they're not meant to be said. Anyway, are you ready to hear an ancient ghost story oh, yeah. from Egypt? Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I so, it is. The best known ghost story from ancient Egypt is known simply as a ghost story, but sometimes referred to as Khonsemhab and Khons... Okay, Khonsemhab and the ghost. The story dates from the late New Kingdom of Egypt. What's C? C? Yeah, circa. Circa. Do I need to say that? You don't have to. So 1570 to 1069 BCE. And specifically, the Ramesid... Ramesid... Yeah. Ramesid period of 1186 to 1077 BCE. It's a long time ago. It was found in fragments on Ostraka Ostraka, pottery with writing on it. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Uh, which scholars such as George's, 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 probably. George's Pos- Postner. <laughs> In 1960 CE and Jurgen von Beckeroth in 1992 CE. I should really be more confident in these pronunciations. I don't think anyone knows. Yeah, if you just say it confidently, that's what British people do. They're I just don't like have confidence. Make up pronunciations <laughs> for words and go with it. Uh, claim are copies of a much older. Uh, claim are copies of much older. A much older story from the Middle Kingdom of Egypt, 2040 to 1782 BCE. This would make sense as the traditional view of the afterlife in Egypt as a paradise was often questioned in texts from that era, such as the Lay of the Harper or a dispute between a man and his soul. Hmm. And Khonsemhab reflects his view in his conversation with the ghost. So, yeah, that was a lot of words. You kind of get what's going on-ish. That there's... There's a story that was found on a piece of pottery. Mm-hmm. And it, that's maybe where it originated, or it may... Or it could have been even older. Be 
Just a, yeah, a, a copy of an older story. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So a ghost story tells the tale of a high priest of Amen. I think you can pronounce it Amen, 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 um, but it's A-M-U-N, so I'm going to say Amen. I did look up that one and it seems to have a lot of... So Amen. So the priest wrong. of Amen, Khan Simhab, and his encounter with a restless ghost whose tomb was deteriorated. So let's talk about who Amen Khan Simhab was. Okay. He's the ghost in the story. Gotcha. Amen, also known as Amen, Amen, and Amen, or Amen, is the ancient Egyptian god of the sun and air. He is one of the most important gods of ancient Egypt who rose to prominence at, at Thebes at the beginning of the period of the New Kingdom, which is 1570 to 1069 BCE. He is usually depicted as a bearded man wearing a headdress with a double plume or, after the New Kingdom, as a ram-headed man or simply a ram, symbolizing fertility in his, whole, in his role as Amun-Min. Fertility his, in his whole... Fertility in his role. Shut up. Uh, his name. His name means the hidden one, or invisible, or mysterious of form. And unlike most other Egyptian gods, he was considered lord of all, who encompassed every aspect of creation. So an important guy. Yeah, he's a big god. Yeah. Um. Let's he's see. One of the major gods. A ghost story. So yeah, it tells. Yeah, yeah. You heard this. The story exists on four. Ostraka, which is pottery pieces. Pottery with writing on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pottery with writing on it. Discovered in in and around the necro, necropolis. Necropolis. Necropolis of Deir el Medina near Thebes between 1880 CE and 1905 CE. These Ostraka today are housed in museums in Paris, Florence, Vienna, and Turin, and Turin, and each one relates another section of the story. The conclusion of the tale, unfortunately, has not yet been found. It'd be a lot easier if they just had all the pieces in one place. So yeah, that's. I thought that was weird. I'm like, why don't you just have them all in a row in one place? I don't really get it. Because <laughs> everyone wants one. Yeah. Everybody well, wants some. Well, too bad. Uh, as in the case with ghost stories from around the world, the Kansenhab tale operates on two levels, entertainment and cultural education. Okay. An audience would have been entertained while at the same time receiving instruction on the importance of honoring the dead by caring for their final resting places. Sounds so, like folklore uh, so to me. A, um, what's the thing you learn about in school? It's like a story a with a more. It's like a fable. It's like an ancient fable. Yeah. So Egypt had a very rich culture. So I'm going to talk about the story a little bit. So I'm actually going to give you like kind of a general idea of what the story is. And then I'm going to read the story to you. Cool. So, but it's probably going to be confusing and I'm going to mispronounce a lot of things and you're not going to understand any of it. So I'm going to give you the summary first. Okay, good. <laughs> so the story. Scholars differ on interpreting the text. Because, you know, had to be translated. Okay. Well, we'll see what our interpretation is. Yeah. Some claim is it is a first-person narration by a speaker who spends the night in the necrop necropolis at Thebes and encounters an angry spirit. The nameless narrator then goes to the high priest to seek his help, and Kansenhab raises the spirit to talk to it. The first-person narrator interpretation rests entirely on one of the early lines. 
Early scholars claim it is a third-person narration which tells how Kanzenhab encountered the spirit in the necropolis and then dedicated himself to helping it find peace. Wait, so is it about Kanzenhab finding a spirit? So does God talk to a spirit or this guy talk to the spirit of Kanzenhab? Yes, that is that is the question. Or is it um or is it told from the so so there's someone coming to the necrop- necropolis and they meet Kansanab. It is either told from Kansanab's point of view in the third person or is told from the spirit slash guy's point of view. Yeah. Got it. Um, the beginning of the story is a fragmentary as is as fragmentary as the conclusion, which breaks off. So it is understandable how one concludes the I mentioned at the start indicates first person narration. The story makes more sense as third person narration. However, as no first person narrator makes an appearance after the opening line and these lines could in fact be dialogue spoken by Consenhob. Okay, gotcha. Some translations, in fact, omit the I in the opening lines entirely, attributing them to Kansenhab without any effect on the story's cohesion. Okay. So, yeah. Either way, after two lines which relate some sort of journey, Kansenhab returns to his house and calls on the spirit to come to him and identify himself, promising to help him by building a new uh, sepul- sepulcher. Se- se- sepulcher. And providing him, uh, quote, with all sorts of good things, end quote. Who can say no to that? It is clear that the high priest is already aware of the spirit's troubles. The ghost appears and says his name is Nez, okay, Nebusemek, Nebusemek. Konsenhab asks the spirit what is troubling him, and Nebusemek, Nebusemic replies that his tomb has fallen and no one now remembers where he is buried so that proper offerings are no longer brought. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just stretching my arm. Sorry. Uh, I was listening. Nebusemic says he is, quote, exposed in the wintry wind, hungry without food, end quote, and fears he may soon cease to exist or, as he puts it, quote, to overflow like the in- 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 inundation. End yep. quote. And be lost because his soul has no home to contain it. Kansenhab sits down next to the spirit and weeps for him in his sad state. The spirit then relates who he was in life. So this is a little quote from the story. Ready? Uh-huh. When I was alive upon the earth, I was overseer of the treasury of King Mentuhotep, and I was lieutenant of the army. Having been at the head of men and nigh to the gods, I went to rest in year 14 during the summer months of the king of Upper and Lower Egypt, Mentuhotep. He gave me my four canopic canopic jars and my sarcophagus of alabaster, Mm -hmm. and he had done for me all that is done for one in my position. He laid me to rest in my tomb with its shaft of ten cubits. See, the ground beneath has deteriorated and dropped away. The wind blows there and seizes the tongue. Now, as for your having promised me, I shall have a sepulchre prepared anew for for you. I have it four times already that it will be done in accordance with them. But what I am to make of the promises you have just made me so that all these things may succeed in being executed. Whew. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. This is going to be rough. <laughs> I read this too beforehand, and it is rough. Oh, no. Okay. Constant Hobb assures the spirit. So that was the end of the quote. Okay. Constant Hobb assures the spirit that he will do everything he can for him. Uh, saying, quote, please express to me a fine commission such as it such as it is fit to be done for you, and I will surely have it done for you, end quote. But the spirit is not convinced. Mm-hmm. Convinced. Nebu, okay. Nebusemek says, quote, of course, of what, you, of what use are the things you would do? Unless a tree is exposed to sunlight, it does not sprout foliage. End quote. Meaning that he does not expect the priest to be able to provide him with the kind of home he once had, as Constanthab uh, does not have those kinds of resources. Just as a tree cannot blossom without sunlight, his tomb cannot rebuild on promises and goodwill. Gotcha. The priest has assured him already that if he cannot build him a new tomb, he will have five men servants and five maid servants bring him food and water as offerings daily, but the spirits would not be consoled. Mm. The spirit would not be consoled. Oh, no. Is this interesting? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. it is. <laughs> An ancient ghost story. Yeah, it's cool. Ooh. It's very spooky. <laughs> uh, Nebusemek. Uh, disappears, but Hob does not forget what he has promised. He sends men to search for the ruined tomb, and they find it, quote, 25 cubits distance along the king's causeway uh, at Deir el-Bari, end quote, and return to tell their master. Hob is pleased with his news, with this news, and celebrates with the men, and afterwards summons an official to tell him about the project. The story ends with the line, quote, he returned in the evening to sleep in the knee and he, but the rest of the tale is lost. <laughs> the N-E, knee, in the line refers to the necropolis as at Thebes, and it is thought that Constantin returns to where he was at the beginning of the story to tell Nez- Nebusemic that he will soon have a new home, but we can't. We don't I mean, know for we don't sure. Know for sure. Yeah. They assume that it's a happy ending, but I'm like, Oof. I mean, why do you assume that? Yeah. I, I don't know why they would get where they would get that. Something <laughs> could go terribly wrong. Yeah. I mean, nothing has gone wrong in this story so far, really. Yeah. Doesn't there have to be like a an issue that happens that gets solved other than like the beginning issue that they're solving? I mean, I don't know what uh, ancient Egyptian story structure was like, but... uh. I don't know. So, so in the, the course text. of this tale that I will tell you, uh, you will find LPH after a king's name. This is the English equivalent of the Egyptian phrase, Ankhwedja Seneb, meaning life, prosperity, health, which appears after royals' names in ancient inscriptions. The uh, text that I will read to you follows Beckerath's transla- translation as reprinted in W.K. Simpson's The Literature of Ancient Egypt, an anthology of stories, instructions, stel- stele-, stele autobiographies, and poetry. It omits the first-person narrator line from the beginning of the story, quote, now, so the, the line that it omits is, now while I was looking towards the west, he went up into the roof. He went up onto the roof, end quote, which often appears in translation as the third line below. Um, all right. Ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Let's... 
According to his habit, after the way he had done, he ferried across and reached his house. He caused offerings to be prepared, saying, quote, I will provide him with all sorts of good things when I go to the west side. End quote. Sorry, I'm moving this mic because I can't read my screen very well. It's like in the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. He went up onto the roof and he invoked the gods of the sky and the gods of the earth, southern, northern, western, and eastern, and the gods of the underworld saying to them, quote, send me that august spirit, end quote. And so he came and said to him, quote, I am your who has come to sleep during the night next to his tomb, end quote. Okay, cut off from here. There's going to be weird cuts and like stuff because they don't have they just have pieces of pottery, obviously, with writing on it. They don't have the full story. Mm-hmm. So where it kind of seems like, I guess I can say dot, dot, dot. When I say dot, 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 that's, it jumps to the next part of the story that they have. Okay. It's missing, basically, gotcha. but not that much, you know? Okay. Okay. Uh, then the high priest of Amun Kansenhab said to him, quote, please tell me your name, your father's name, and your mother's name, that I may offer to them and do for them all that has to be done for those in their position, end quote. The August spirit then said to him, Nebusemek is my name, Ankem is my father's name, and Tamshas is my mother's name, end quote. Mm-hmm. Then the high priest of Amun Re, king of the gods, Kansenhab said to him, quote, tell me what you want and I may have it done for you, and I shall have a spec, a sep, Sepulchre prepared anew for you and have a coffin of gold and Sisyphus wood made for you, and you shall rest therein, and I shall have done for you all that is done for one who is in your position. End quote. The August spirit then said to him, quote, No one can be overheated who is exposed to wintry wind, hungry without food, dot, dot, dot. It is not my desire to overflow like the inundation not dot 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 not seeing my tomb dot 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 i would not reach it there have been made to me promises there have been made to me promises dot 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 end quote okay <laughs> are you following i think so, so yeah the amun right is talking to this guy and he's saying i'm gonna make you a new tomb you're you seem like a good spirit yeah and the guy's is like all right but yeah. like i don't are you, are you sure i mean yeah you make a lot of good promises but like yeah. i, I want to be sure about this mm-hmm. cool. now after he had finished speaking the high priest of amun re king of the gods Constantinob sat down and wept beside him with a full face of tears and he addressed the spirit saying how badly you fare without eating or drinking without growing old or becoming young without seeing sunlight or inhaling northerly northerly breezes darkness is in your sight every day you do not get up early to leave then the spirit said to him when i was alive upon the earth i was overseer of the treasury of king menton hoptep and i was lieutenant of the army having been at the head of men and nigh to the gods I went to rest in year 14 during the summer months of the king of Upper and Lower Egypt, Mentahatep. He gave me my four canopic jars in my sarcophagus of alabaster, and he had done for me all that is done for one in my position. He laid me to rest in my tomb with its shaft of ten cubits. See, the ground beneath has deteriorated and dropped away. The wind blows there and seizes the tongue. 
Now, as for your having promised me, I shall have a sepulchre prepared anew for you. I have it four times already that it will be done in accordance with them. But what am I to make of the promises that you have made to me that all these things may succeed in being executed? Then the high priest of Amun-Re, king of the gods, uh, Kansenhab, said to him, Please express to me a fine commission such as it fit to be done for you, and I will surely have it done for you. Or I will simply have five men servants and five maidservants, totaling ten, devoted to you in order to pour libation... Mm-hmm. libation water for you and i will have a sack of emmer delivered daily to be offered to you and also the overseer of offerings shall pour libation water for you then the spirit of nebusemic said to him of course okay no uh, uh said to him of what use are these things you would do unless a tree is exposed to sunlight it does not sprout foliage but stone never proceeds to age it crumbles only through dot 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 uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, I-P-H, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> there the high priest of Amun-Ri, king of the gods, commissioned three men, each one, and he ferried across and went up. The men searched for the tomb near the holy temple of King. So now they're, they're, they're looking for the uh, decrepit tomb. Okay, gotcha. They're searching. Right. So they can find it and rebuild it. Cool. Uh, king of the gods Constantine, and found him uh, officiating in the god's house of the temple of Amun-Ri, king of the gods. And he said to them, hopefully you've returned having discovered the excellent place of making the name. Wait, I think I skipped ahead. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> the men searched for the tomb near the holy temple of King <laughs> Nehepeter, I-P-H, the son of Re Mentehetap. IPH, and they found dot 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 in it, it being 25 cubit distance, cubits distance along the king's causeway at Deir el Bari. Then they went back down to the riverbank and they returned to the high priest of Amun Ri, king of the gods, Konsenhab, and then found him officiating in the gods' house of the temple of Amun Ri, king of the gods, and he said to them, Hopefully you have returned, having discovered the excellent place for making the name of that spirit called Nesbusemic, endure unto eternity. Then the three of them said to him with one voice, we have found the excellent place for making the name of that august spirit endure. And so they sat down in his presence and made holiday. His, his heart became joyful when they told him, dot, 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 until the sun came up from the horizon. Then he summoned the deputy of the estate of Amen Menkau and informed him about his project. He returned in the evening to spend the night in the, and he, dot, dot, dot. Okay. <laughs> so that was painful, and I apologize to everyone listening. As noted, that so that was the story. Okay. If you understood okay. it. As noted, it is assumed that Constant Hobb remained true to his word, and the story ended happily for the spirit of Nes- <laughs> Nebusemic. I mean, it seems like it's going that way, but... But you never know, you yikes, know? I know. I don't know how long the story is. That's right. Simpson notes that the high priest of Constantinople was probably a fictitious character, but that the setting of Necropolis of Thebes would have been familiar to those hearing the story. Placing the tale in a familiar setting and choosing a high priest of Amun as the central character would have made the story more believable and relatable for an, for an ancient Egyptian audience. 
It would have worked the same way as setting any ghost story in a well-known spooky local locale, locale in the present day. But ghosts are not considered spooky in ancient Egypt. However, they were simply a natural part of existence and one which the Egyptians usually took pains to guard against. The the mortuary rituals which honored the dead were intended to make sure no one came back from the afterlife dissatisfied at all. The proper rites surrounding death and burial were important in all ancient societies, and the Egyptians were no different in this. uh, the g- ghosts, ghosts aren't ghosts aren't like spooky, but you still don't want them. I feel like it would make you sad. Mm, okay. More, yeah, like sure. oh, they're unhappy. Mm. I was thinking they're it was more spooky, like spooky, but not like they're just like a normal part of life, but an unfortunate part of yeah. life. I was thinking more like you know, like like uh, you know, like uh, roaches or like little. Sp- spiders in your house or like ants or something they're not yeah. like they're not spooky but you're you, you want to do everything you can so they, they're not, not around yeah that's a good yeah that's a good um, but i mean <laughs> yeah. i guess it's i don't know or i don't know what's something that i guess i guess you feel like you failed in some way if your house is overrun with ants yeah um Since the afterlife was considered a continuum of one's life on earth, and as it was hoped that the spirit of the deceased would be judged favorably by the god Osiris and allowed to pass on to that paradise, there was no reason for the spirit to return to earth unless it was troubled. And that trouble often had to do with either improper observance of burial or the destruction or looting of one's tomb. The tomb was considered the house of the spirit, and if one's tomb was were forgotten, if the proper rites of remembrance were not observed, the spirit would have would not have peace. The, the appearance of a ghost, unless summoned for a particular reason or visiting in a dream, was never considered a good sign. Hmm. Uh, communication with the dead was sometimes sought for counsel in dealing with problems or making important decisions. The dead were thought to be able to communicate with the living through dreams and certain wise women who were consulted as seers, so witches, yeah. <laughs> consulted as seers to interpret these dreams and foretell the future. According to an Egyptologist, Egyptologist, Rosalie David, these seers operated both within and outside of the temple and funerary cults in efforts to either facilitate a meeting between the living and the dead or interpret a dream concerning the deceased. She writes, quote, These approaches included the use of oracles and magic letters to the dead, dreams, and other forms of divination. End quote. In the case of Consenhob, he chooses to summon the ghost directly and speak to it plainly rather than rely on an intermediary. I think that's how you say that. Mm-hmm. And as a high priest, he would be expected to be able and willing to do this. In this story, the ghost of Nez- uh, Nebusemek, Nebusemek <laughs> is not presented as scary, but as a soul in need of help. The story emphasizes the importance of regularly maintaining tombs and remembering and honoring the dead. When Because I feel like if you're not remembered, you don't get to live peacefully in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Or you disappear right. in the afterlife or something. You have to, your memory has to live on. That's mm-hmm. why they would build like big monuments for right. you. Mm-hmm. But if they're all torn down and no one knows who you are, no one's talking about you or thinks about you yeah. anymore, you don't have you're a not. good afterlife anymore. So that's, yeah, that's why. Um, 
So when Nesbismek appears, he is greeted by Constanthob as a guest with a problem, not a ghost there to haunt. And the high priest shows him all hospitality and agreeing to help him with the situation. The story in its entirety uh, would have been entertaining, but would have also served the purpose of instilling an important cultural value in the listeners as it encouraged them to be mindful of and respect those who had passed on to the other side. So it's a fable. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining, but it's also like, hey, remember, you need to do this mm-hmm. for the good of the afterlife. Right. For the good of the dead. Respect for the dead, as noted, was an important cultural value to the Egyptians, no matter what. I'm just thinking, geez, no, I was just thinking, geez, uh, like uh, the Archer uh, quote about ants, but do you want, do you want ghosts? Because this is how you get ghosts. That's the moral of the story. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth stopping for that. No. Respect for the dead is an important cultural value to the Egyptians, no matter what the social status of the dead person was. But the author of the tale wants to make sure this point comes across, and so makes Nezbusemek a lieutenant in the army under the great hero king Metuhotep II, the second, who was united. So that was in, he lived, he was the king in 2061 to 2010 uh, BCE who united Egypt under Theban hmm. Theban rule yep. and initiated the period of the Middle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mentuhotep II is believed to be the king in the story because of his famous tomb at Deir el-Bari and the necropolis featured in the story and also his enduring fame. Mentuhotep's the second name is often substituted in translation, such as the one above, for the name Rahotep, which appears in the part of the story when a translation <laughs> is uh, something at the point where the ghost says, quote, when I was alive upon the earth, I was overseer of the treasury of King Rahotep. But it, instead it was like the other name. Okay. It's they said meant to hop tip the second. Right. Okay. The ghost goes on to say, however, that he died in year fourteen of the reign of Mentuhotep, which makes no sense as Rahotep uh, was the first or second king of the seventeenth dynasty, while Mentuhotep resigned long after him as first king of the eleventh dynasty. Okay. So they replaced in the translation the actual, the name in the story right. with the more probably historically accurate name. Gotcha. Okay. The reason they did this was because they thought whoever wrote the story just confused, like, the author, whoever wrote the actual, not the actual story, but I think who wrote the per- who wrote the story on the pieces of pottery. Right, right, right. Confused or got wrong the two kings since Rahotep, according to his steel, at Kaptos was also associated with unifying the country under Thebes during the time of Hyksos occupation of Lower Egypt. So they think he just got it confused because they were like similar. Sure. Basically. So in translations, Mm -hmm. they do their own thing and put in the more historically accurate, Uh uh, more probable a story because mm-hmm. this was probably just a guy who wrote it on the pottery it wasn't he i don't think he actually wrote the story whoever mm-hmm. wrote it on the pottery right. so i think he just got it confused and the story was actually much older and mm-hmm. that's the act they think that's the real story okay 
which I trust them. Sure. It may also have been that at the time of composition, Rahotep's name was associated with the earlier heroes with the earlier heroes as a kind of second Mentahoptip, and audiences of the time would have understood the illusion. The actual name of the king is not as important as what the name would have signified to the audience. Nez- uh, Nebusimek was an important man closely associated with a great king, and if his tomb could be allowed to fall into ruin, so could anyone's. The detail of the piece all go toward a single end of emphasizing the importance of respect for the dead and continual practice of the rites of remembrance. Okay. Okay. That's what I have. That was way more boring than I thought it was going to be. I apologize to everyone. <laughs> okay. You don't need to do that. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. No, I... I uh, it's an ancient ghost story. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's interesting. It's an ancient, fun, cool ghost story. It's an ancient fable. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to call it an ancient fable. Um, yeah. Uh, did you think it was boring? Be real. No. You thought it was boring. I did not. You know, yeah, know someone who's going to be dead soon whose resting place I won't respect or remember. Good one. Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> okay, now you go. We're, we're an hour in. <laughs> okay. I'm sure yours is more interesting. You did better research than me. We'll see. We, we'll see about that. I thought my story was cool until I started reading it and realized this is boring as heck. <laughs> I, I was like, I this actually isn't that cool. No. What do you mean? You don't think it was boring? I don't think but it was boring. That's what it sounded like. You were like, but. No, it wasn't boring. It was not. <sighs> um, how long is yours? We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll see. Uh, okay. I can try to go fast. No, you don't have to try to go fast. I didn't. <laughs> I told a boring 30-minute story that was unnecessary. I really had trouble figuring out what to do this week, though. So, mm-hmm. are you ready? Do you yes. have it pulled up? What's going on? No, here? I'm ready. I okay. was, I'm going to talk about the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Heck yes. A.K.A. the Anesthetic Prowler. Uh, Frizz, the Phantom anesth- Anesthetist. Or simply the Mad Gasser, as well as um, the the Mad Gasser of Botetourt County. <laughs> this is fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. This is good. We should have started with yours. They already tuned out. We'll just we'll we'll put a <laughs> we'll put a dis- we'll put in the, we'll put timestamps in the description. After thirty minutes, we stop talking about bullshit. After another thirty another minutes, another thirty minutes, we start, ta- we start we do talking about a boring story. topic. We do, we do have a car. Thirty minutes, Carly. An hour, Harry. Anyway, <laughs> Virginia, nineteen thirty-three. I like Virginia. December twenty-second. Cool. Three days before Christmas. Yeah. Around ten p.m. What year? Nineteen thirty-three. Oh shoot! Okay. Four years deep in the Great Depression. Right? Yeah. Was that unless, right? 1929? Or was it 1928? I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. I think 20... Oh, I don't know, actually. All right. Around 10 p.m., <laughs> Mrs. Cunningham of Haymaker Town, Virginia, smelled an unusual gaseous odor Uh-oh. and became nauseated. 
She and her six children went to bed, and the smell soon dissipated. Uh-oh. Within the hour, it returned. Oh, uh, Mr. Cal Huffman. <laughs> wait, Mr. Cal... Wait, what? <laughs> Who, it's a rough one uh, we're, this we're, week, folks. I, what did I do here? Whose names are wrong? They're either the... It's either M- Mrs. Huffman or Mr. Cunningham. Her wife, her husband. Okay. Miss Cal. Cal went, her husband Cal, went to a neighbor's house to phone the police. Around midnight. Because of the smell? Because of the noxious smell. Nauseous smell? Yeah. Noxious smell? Nauseous. I I think that's how it's supposed to be pronounced, but that's not how I want to say it. Around midnight, Officer O.D. Lemon arrived to investigate (laughs) the scene. (laughs) O.D. Lemon? O.D. Lemon. An O.D. Lemon. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, But he found nothing out of the ordinary. Well, why would he? Yeah, what is he good for Officer Lemon? Yep. Immediately after Officer Lemon departed, the gas returned. All eight members of the family fell ill with nausea, headaches, and difficult breathing. There's eight of them? Yeah. Uh, 20-year-old Alice Huffman fainted, and a doctor was called to revive her. Police were called back to the house to investigate further. With the help of the doctor, they ruled out several possibilities, like ether, tear gas, and chloroform, but were Oof. unable to determine what was causing the illnesses. Hmm. A neighbor said that they thought they'd seen a shadowy figure running away from the house after the third attack. Along with a posse of neighbors, police searched the area, but turned up nothing but the imprint of a woman's high-heeled shoe under a window and another print under the porch. So it was a woman? Could be. Oh, man. Or someone wearing women's shoes. Yeah, that's, I was, yeah that's, that was my next guess. Anyway, uh, on December 27th, the Roanoke Times report, gas attacks on homes continue. So it was happening to multiple houses. On Christmas Eve, around 9 p.m., Mr. and Mrs. Clarence Hall of, Glover, of Cloverdale returned oh. home from church. Cloverdale? Cloverdale. It's a good name for a town. Yeah. Within five minutes of stepping indoors, they noticed sickly fumes that left a sweet taste in their mouths. Oh, no. They reported also feeling nausea, smarting eyes, and weakness. Mr. Hall, along with friends and neighbors, spent the night searching the nearby woods, but turned up nothing. The next evening, a relative thought they saw someone with a flashlight near the Hall residence. Uh Uh-oh. Uh... Um, on the night of December 27th in Troutville, A.L. Kelly reported a gas attack with similar symptoms while alone in an upstairs room around 10 p.m. None of the other occupants of the house were affected. Good. Yeah. Uh, on January 11th, 1934, at 10 p.m., a Mrs. Moore of Howell's Mill uh, heard a rustling shade at a broken window followed by a muffled voice or voices in the yard. At the first smell of gas, Mrs. Moore grabbed her baby and ran out to give the alarm, but not until experiencing a marked feeling of numbness, according to uh, newspaper reports of the time. On or about that same night, a physician determined that G.D. Kinsey had been struck in his Troutville home by potentially lethal chlorine gas. Um, oh my gosh. Then on the 16th of January, near Bonsack, <laughs> Mr. F.B. Duval reported to police that after his family was gassed, he glimpsed a dark figure darting toward a parked car. 
The next day, police found footprints from a woman's shoe near where the car was parked. Why don't they just have people set up around the town? I mean, they 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 do. Um, like as is it happening as, in multiple as towns? They, I mean, yeah, it's like all over this county and a couple uh. in like neighboring counties. It's um, and then they like people did start coming out and like vigilante mobs of like farmers would like patrol all the roads at night and like keep people would be keeping watch on their porches with guns oh gosh and but police expressed concern that uh quote some innocent person passing a house or calling upon a neighbor may be wounded or killed through nervousness uh yeah how about Mm -hmm. that yeah um and this was before the police were like so like militarized and like had so much i mean these were all like small towns that probably had very small police departments so they couldn't you know they couldn't just have someone on every corner sitting there all night wow that's crazy to think about because now we could mm-hmm. we I could know. have <laughs> two police officers per corner of each block in chicago I know. probably more mm-hmm uh, on January 24th, the Virginia State Assembly passed a bill making it a felony to release noxious gases in a public or private place. <laughs> That's not going to stop the mad gasser. Well, so now if they catch them, they will have something to charge them with. That wasn't illegal to begin with? I guess not specifically. What? Right. Why does that need to be spe- specific? I thought it was if you caused bodily harm to someone yeah. on purpose, you can get in trouble. Well, it, it, it gave like specific penalties for that particular type of causing bodily harm. Because they I just want this guy to be nailed mm-hmm. when he gets caught, right? I, I, yeah. For this person? Sorry. Mm-hmm. On January 29th, the County Board of Supervisors offered a $500 reward for apprehending the culprit of the gas attacks. I don't know what that is in today's money. I didn't look it up. You need to start looking it up because I want to know. It's a lot. Okay. I know, (laughs) but I want to know exact amount. On the evening of February 11th, Mamie Brown of Fincastle ran out of her house, screamed that she had been gas, and screaming that she had been gassed. Uh, a crowd gathered, and uh, they they went back to her house to investigate, where they found that someone had tossed a common fly-killing fluid into her, the kitchen, apparently as a joke. Rude. Yeah. Has anyone did anyone die from this gassing? No. That's why nobody you're doing it. nobody died or okay. had any like lasting like negative health effects. Um, five more gassing reports occurred that same night. Um, but public opinion began to turn. Um, the authorities released a report saying that there had never been a gasser, um, and whatever gases were had existed were caused by natural and common phenomena, mm. and the panic had spread by hysterical rumors. Do you um, think that's the case? Not every investigator agreed with this. Yeah. Do you agree? I don't know. I think it's possible that I don't know. We'll get into what I think later. Okay. Uh, Wait, okay, never mind, just keep going. I have questions. So the Roanoke Times, um, which had, you know, published the original story of, like, gas attacks on homes continue and stuff, um, they they published an editorial uh, titled Roanoke Has No Gasser, um, which opened with the line, This newspaper has so believed in the gasser's non-existence from the first, but it seemed best to permit the police to go ahead and investigate without whatever handicap they might be under... Were, with might with might be under were cold water to be thrown on their search in advance. <laughs> what? Okay. The newspaper is like that was like egging on all of this 
you know, like there's a gasser on the loose is like saying, actually, we never believed it at all. We just didn't want to interfere with the investigation. Okay. <laughs> Cover their ass. After that statement from the police and the newspaper, uh, there were no more reported gas attacks. What? Really? Until. What? Harry, you can't do that to me. 480 miles away and 11 years later, <gasps> history repeated itself. No way. Are you serious? On September 1st, 1944, <sighs> at about 11 o'clock p.m., Mrs. Aline Kearney of Marshall Avenue, Mattoon, Illinois, smelled a strong, sweet odor while putting her daughter to bed. At first, she brushed it off, attributing it to flowers growing outside her window. No! But soon the smell grew stronger, and Mrs. Kearney began to lose feeling in her legs. Her sister came to help and also noticed the smell, and determined that it was coming from her open bedroom window. Oh my gosh! A neighbor came over, and they called the police, who came and found nothing out of the ordinary, and no evidence of foul play. Uh, What are they even for? When Aline's husband, Mr. Bert Kearney, returned home from his shift as a cab driver at about 12.30 a.m., he saw someone hiding close to one of the house's windows. He described the prowler as a tall, thin man wearing all black and a tight-fitting cap. He gave chase but was unable to catch him. After the attack, Mrs. Kearney reported suffering from a burning sensation in her lips and throat. Oof. So the the Mattoon Journal-Gazette reported on the incident the next day with the headline, Anesthetic Prowler on the Loose, Mrs. (laughs) Kearney and Daughter First Victims. Um, After the Kearney attack was reported in the media, two other incidents came out. um, On August 31st, the night before, on Grant Avenue, um, Urban Rafe was, uh, was awakened in the wee hours of the morning by a strange odor. Oh, no. He felt nauseous and weak, and when he rose from bed, he was struck by a fit of vomiting. Ugh. His wife awoke as well. She suspected the smell was because of a gas leak, um, but when she tried to get up to check the pilot light on their stove, um, she found her legs were paralyzed, and she was unable, unable to get out of the bed. But <laughs> they, they, I guess, uh, they didn't... Th- reported or anything they thought well i guess it it probably isn't a gas leak we they thought that they just had food poisoning from hot dogs that they'd eaten earlier for dinner that would be you i would experience something like that or we would and you'd be like it's probably just food poisoning it's probably just food poisoning no one gassed us (laughs) swear it's not real (laughs) yeah you're right Also that morning of the 31st, a young mother was awakened by the sound of her daughter coughing. When she attempted to get up and go to her, she was paralyzed and unable to move from the bed. What is this gas? Do we ever find out? We don't. It is a mysterious unknown gas. Um, On September 5th, Carl and Beulah Cords uh, returned to their home on North 21st Street at around 10 o'clock at night. Uh, They noticed on their porch a white cloth next to the screen door. Beulah picked it up and smelled it and immediately became extremely ill. Why? (laughs) Beulah? Beulah. Beulah. (laughs) Gosh. She described it as feeling like an electric shock. Um, Her face swelled up. She began, she, she experienced a burning sensation in her mouth and throat and she began to vomit. Uh, she felt weak and was partially paralyzed. 
as well for a short time. What? Um, in addition to the cloth on the ground in front of the house, they found a skeleton key, uh, reportedly looking well used, and a nearly empty tube of lipstick. The cloth was sent off to Springfield to be analyzed, but no chemicals were found that could account for Mrs. Cord's reaction. What? Yeah. Uh, that same night, uh, Mrs. Burrell of 13th Street reported that someone broke in through her window and attempted to gas her, though she was unable to give a description. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on September 6th, seven reports of gas attacks were made, uh, with one person claiming to have seen the gasser. Um, the FBI was called in to investigate. Roving bands of vigilantes patrolled the town. Mm -hmm. uh, the police chief made a statement warning people not to loiter in residential neighborhoods, calling for the patrols to disband and warning people to exercise restraint when carrying or discharging firearms. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Uh, Miss Frances Smith and Miss Maxine Smith reported seeing a blue vapor and hearing a buzzing sound, possibly from gassing machinery. What? Um, in the 8th and 12th of September, 1944, seven more reports of gas attacks occurred, occasionally along with reports of sightings of a prowler or footprints near windows, um, often from women's shoes. Um, the police announced, um, though, uh, that from now on, they would only take a report of a gas attack if the victim agreed to be examined by a doctor or spend a night in jail. Because they were getting so many reports of them, and there was, like, no evidence ever of anything weird going on. When the police showed up, there was no smell or weird thing or anything. So they were threatened? They were, they, well, they were like, I mean, we, what we need... What was the thing that they wanted? They, what was the thing? If... Oh, they would only take like an official report if the if the victim would agree to be examined by a doctor, or else they could spend the night in jail. <laughs> what? That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I know. Um, on September twelfth, uh, the police chief Mattoon issued a statement uh, saying that he did not believe there was a mad gasser. And that any actual gas fumes, which might have existed and caused people to get sick, were pollutants from the nearby factories around town that were supporting mm. the World War II effort. Um, namely, probably uh, carbon tetrachloride from the Atlas Imperial plant outside of town. Um, Atlas Imperial denied the charges and said they had only had a small amount of the chemical at the plant and it was all in fire extinguishers. Uh, furthermore, if there was a leak, employees at the factory would have reported symptoms first before the other people in town. Yeah. And a safety inspector from the state also backed up the Atlas Imperial claims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. sort of, that uh, that makes sense, though it wouldn't be the first time that, like, a an industrial company has just lied I'd... in order to well, yeah. get around environmental regulations and stuff. And, you know, the, the government would want to keep factories that are making stuff for the war open if they're in the middle of a war. And, you know, people who are... I'm assuming are... you buy this theory. No, I, I'm just saying that, like, I'm not totally discounting it. No, but what about the people working in the factory? Why did no one ever experience it there? Well, I mean, if you're just... I mean, if you're in a... If you're just happy to have a job... You're not gonna like complain. You're paralyzed every dizzy. day and throwing up constantly. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know either. So that's a good point. Um, anyway, after September 12th, there was only one more reported gas attack. 
Um, Bertha Birch. Uh, reported... These are all B names. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of B names. It's also almost all women. Okay. I think there were like, yeah, basically all women. Bertha Birch reported seeing her attacker run away from her house and said that the, the gasser was a woman dressed as a man. Um, afterward, women's shoe prints were found at the scene. Um, this makes sense. It's all adding up that and, it was a woman. Yeah. In all, there were 33 victims of the phantom anesthetist of Mattoon. Um, no one was killed and no one had any long lasting health issues because of it. Most people like their symptoms cleared up like that night or the next day. Wow. Um, yeah. Anyway, so there are three main explanations that people have. Are any of them that there was just a mad gasser on the loose? That's one of them. Yeah. Okay, great. Because that's, I believe we'll, it. We'll, we'll get to that one last. Do you believe that? I think it's pl- plausible. Okay. Um, Let me hear the theories. Right. So the first theory is that uh, both instances were just uh, mass hysteria. No. <laughs> there have been like several like, you know, scholarly papers uh, released on that. Um, today, that's that's like the conventional wisdom today, basically, that these are just a textbook book incident of mass hysteria where like it started with like some freak occurrence um and then you know sensationalist newspaper reporting like got everyone like whipped into a frenzy and then of this town of like fifteen thousand people and they're all like talking about it all the time and then it caused people to develop like psychosomatic symptoms is that what covid is harry it's a world (laughs) worldwide uh, mass panic. I'm not. I'm not saying that's what it is. Yeah, but I bet you buy it. I don't. You always think the answer is mass hysteria. I in this one, I think it's a combination of things. In this one, um, the local the local P- commissioner of public health in Mattoon, Thomas V. Wright, um, said, "Quote: There is no doubt that a gas maniac exists and has made a number of attacks." But many of the reported attacks are nothing more than hysteria. Fear of the gas man is entirely out of proportion to the menace of the relatively harmless gas he is spraying. The whole town is sick with hysteria. It's like even the guy at the time, like even, I don't know, at the time they were saying this is like mostly like mass hysteria, but also there probably is someone gassing some people. So it's, I mean, I kind of agree with him a little bit. I mean, the other... The, the second explanation, which I already touched on, is that it's pollutants from the nearby factories um, that are causing people to get sick. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. buy that one. Yeah. I believe mass hysteria before I believe that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and so the third possibility is that there was an actual person doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are also, like, theories that it was, like, extraterrestrial or, like, the government doing secret tests on people. Okay, I'd buy that one. Or, like... It's some kind of supernatural creature. No, I don't buy that. Bigfoot got a little spritzer. <laughs> Bigfoot got a spritzer. Bigfoot got a spritzer. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So at, at, at one point during the investigation, an investigator um, uh, said that they had they were looking at four suspects in the town. Um, mm-hmm. Quote: two scientists and two crackpots. Great. I like it. <laughs> um, but uh, so um, I think in the mid-2000s, sometime fairly recently, when, when did that book come out? Um, 
in yeah in like 2003 um the an author scott uh, scott maruna found someone who he thinks bridges the gap between the scientist versus crackpot line slash theory he thinks what's this book called it is called um the mad gasser of of mattoon um shoot the mad gasser of mattoon dispelling the hysteria is what it's called okay um he thinks he makes the case in his book that the mad gasser was at least in mattoon one farley llewellyn buy it he's so he was he was a young man from a well-known family in town the llewellyns uh, his father was a grocer who was this per- guy who wrote the book no 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 the, okay, the guy farley. he's talking about farley uh his father was a grocer the pillar of the com- a pillar of the community he was a well-liked and well-known guy okay um farley um went off to attend the u, u of i at urbana champagne where he majored in chemistry um when he re- when he returned back to town, he did not like live up to his. He did not uh, wear fit his fill his father's shoes well. He did not fit into town. He was an outcast and a loner. He was he was he was a weirdo who kind of kept to himself. Um, he lived with his two sisters. All of them, none of them were married. They lived in this big house together. Um, uh, Farley Farley was gay. Um, which his family likely knew, his sisters, uh, but there were a lot of rumors of gossip about it around town. It wasn't like he wasn't out or anything. It was, but people people rumored about it mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so anyway, he was he was a big chemistry guy. He had like a chemistry lab in the house. Um, but uh, by 1944, um, when the gases were when the gas attacks started, uh, he and the lab had moved into a trailer in the backyard where he had his lab out there and he lived in the trailer with it too. Just in the backyard of the... Why did no... This sounds pretty... Yeah. Um, So a few days before the first attack, um, there was an explosion in the trailer um, that knocked it like slanted off of its like, I don't know, stands or whatever. Um, um, There was no... uh, Like a... A neighbor called the police, um, or the, you know, the fire department or whatever, but there, there wasn't any fire. Um, Farley came out of the trailer looking tattered and disheveled, but, uh, it's large, strangely happy as well, is what they said, or what something said. What? Um, <laughs> and then, so the, so the, the theory is that, like, he was, the explosion happened because he was, like, he was trying to make the gas and stuff and he yeah. was getting really close. Mm-hmm. Like you made something and then it exploded. But he was like, I got it. <laughs> if I just can keep it from blowing up. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on September 13th, the day after the attacks, the attacks stopped. Okay. Farley's sisters had him committed to a mental institution. And after that day, there were no more attacks. That was the day of the last attack, basically. Okay, well, it was him. Yeah, it was probably him. Yeah. Yeah. He just like going around in women's shoes. And he was a scientist and a crackpot. Yeah. Yeah. And he wore women's shoes. Yeah. It makes sense to me. 
That makes so much sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... I think it's a combination of him and mass hysteria. I don't think that he was going around. I don't think that he like gassed like seven people in one night or seven different houses. I think that like, I think it was a combination of those two. Maybe he like got the idea from some of the chemicals in the factories or something, or maybe that's where he got the chemicals that he was using. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of a combination of all three in my, yeah, I could in see my that. opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's that's what I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I agree with you. Okay, cool. Man, that's a good story. I, I forgot about that because I've always heard about it. Mm-hmm. The Mad Gasser. The Mad Gasser of Mattoon. That is so weird. <laughs> is it an open investigation still? Uh, no. Or are I they think... just kind of like, Master, it's fine. No one yeah, got they, hurt. Yeah, I think that's... they. they yeah. What about the one... Not in Mattoon. That one, there's, I mean, that one, the only explanation for is... Uh, mad gasser. <laughs> mad gasser or mass hysteria. I don't think there's any evidence that Farley Llewellyn was in Virginia during that time. And I think he would have been pretty young. Yeah. So yeah, like, he wouldn't have been a chemist yet. Yeah. I don't think. I don't, I don't remember how old he was. I don't, but he was, he, he, there, there was no mention of him. Hmm. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. There's our stories for the week. Yeah. I'm ready to go eat. Okay. <laughs> I have clam chowder. Yeah. So I'm going to go eat that. All right. Well, um, I've been Harry. I'm still Carly. And this has been... Known Unknowns. Hey, I'm simping here. Because it's weird out there. Bye. Bye.